Man, it is, it is always good to be, to be with our family every Sunday as we get to worship God together. But uh, man, it is especially just uh, special this morning as we get to celebrate Christmas. And I know we, we get to celebrate the gospel and all that God has done every single week together. I mean, that's why we join as the body of Christ, to, to celebrate Jesus, who he is, and what he has done, done for us. He has given us life in and of himself. But this week, we get to really just look back in this moment in history, the biggest moment in history, where God himself broke into our mess, and he broke into our world. And he did it in a way that um, is really biologically just seems impossible. It, it seems crazy to think that, the, that God himself, the one who created the stars, created the universe, um, created us, would step down, would leave his throne um, to come to meet us and walk in the flesh. And man, we, we get to celebrate that today. So we're going to continue to pick up where Matthew left off last week in Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 20. And we're going to see what the shepherds did. The shepherds who were in the field, um, it was nighttime. As Matthew said, they're working the third shift. They were, they were trying to warm each other up around the fire, warm themselves up around the fire. And uh, in the midst of this, this bright light shone, and a multitude of angels, and the angel of the Lord appeared, telling them that, that the promised one, the, the one that Israel had been hoping for for a long time, all the way back, you, you look in the garden, you see when sin entered the world, and God promised that he would make all things right. And we see throughout all of history just the pain and the sorrow and the evil and everything that sin had caused. And we see this moment where God says, the one that I had promised, he's here Go to Bethlehem, and you, you, will, you will find him in a manger. You'll, see, you'll find his mother, Mary, and Joseph there as well. And so after this moment, we're, we're going to see how the shepherds respond. And then we're also going to look in, in Matthew's gospel for a moment, for a few verses, and we're going to see a different group of men the same night see a sign in the sky, and they're going to go and, and look for the one because they are some men who are very intelligent, and they piece things together, and they're excited to go and meet the king of kings. And the shepherds and these men, as we know, as the wise men, couldn't be different from one another. But we see how the gospel in and of itself, God himself, as he broke into our world to bring us hope, peace, joy, all centered in his love, can bring all people and all nations to worship him around his throne. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go ahead and, and jump into this. Let's pray. God, we... We just love you. We, we, we thank you for um, creating us. We thank you for giving us life that we may worship you. And God, despite us running from you and choosing our, our own ways and wanting to be our own gods, you could have left us where we were. You could have left us on the path to destruction. You could have just destroyed us right then and there. But God, you, you chose to love us and to be faithful to your promise. And God, we get to celebrate you, just like we celebrate you every day and every Sunday together, but God, we get to really think and look back on this moment in history, and I just pray that as we've heard this story many, many times, that we would just hear it with fresh ears, look at it with fresh eyes and a fresh heart, that we would be changed to go out and to be the people you've called us to be and to worship you rightly. We love you, Jesus. We praise in your name. Amen. Oh, I'm in Matthew's gospel. We've got to go to Luke's gospel first. So again, this is, this is right after um, the, the angels had left and the shepherds, without hesitation, went to Bethlehem. And it starts off and it says, And they went with haste 
And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So we have this moment where the, the shepherds were, were, were people who weren't really publicly looked at as um, people that were, had, had a lot of inspiration on others. I mean, they, they were shepherds working the third shift. They were dirty. I'm sure they had some stank on them, around them. And it was this cold night, and yet God himself chose to reveal himself to them. That God himself, as he stepped into our world, he decided that one of the first people that would see him in the flesh would be these lowly men. And we see that after the angels left, they didn't hesitate and ask each other, man, should we, really, should we really go? They could have been terrified and scared and maybe ran the other way, maybe ran to a different country. But without hesitation, urgently, joyfully, they sprinted and they ran to Bethlehem. Now, I'd get out of breath really quick. But for the fact that they were able to get there, that same night, it would probably taken me a couple of days, but they sprinted there, and, and Bethlehem isn't a huge town, it isn't a big town, but they went there because they wanted to share this experience, and they wanted to see with their own eyes that God himself was here, the King of Kings was here. And as I'm sure they, they, they ran through the town, they, they, they looked through different stables and different, different places where they could be at, they finally go into the, the stable where we, as you heard Becky read from the storybook Bible, it says a tumble-down stable. We don't know exactly what it looked like, but it probably wasn't the nicest looking place. It probably wasn't a place where mothers you would expect to maybe give birth. But we see that as he goes here, that God himself in the flesh, the king of kings, is in not only a stable, but he's in a manger or maybe a feeding trough or something that is so lowly that God himself lowered himself even when he was born not in royalty, but born in lowliness, born in humility. And these guys were, were so excited. They knew that there was nothing more important in history that would happen that they would be able to see than this moment right here. And the first thing that they do is they fall down and they worship King Jesus. And they start joyfully celebrating and sharing with everybody around them all the things that, they, that, that had happened. I mean, I wouldn't even be able to get it out of my mouth. Like, Thousands of angels, a multitude of angels just showed up around us. The angel of the Lord was there, the one that he's been promising to Israel. Yes, we, we saw them, and, and they told us to come here to see him, and they're sharing with everybody around them, and everybody's just wondering at what they had said. Not questioning, but in awe. They were awestruck. They're like, no, like, this is crazy that you guys were the ones who were able to witness and see this occurrence, that you guys were able to be the ones to witness God himself coming here to earth. And that he showed you not only where he was, but he allowed you to be a part of this as lowly men to come into witness and see all that he had done and all he was doing. But Mary in this moment, Mary in this moment is just quiet. And, and I'm not a mother, but I was able to um, you know, see, see Becky give birth and all the, the, the craziness that you know, went along with that and in, in the wild 24 hours plus that we were in the hospital. And I can't imagine being in that moment in a, in a stable, let alone having all these people around us. You know, you want your space. And these stanky men will run in, and they're sharing this crazy story. And 
man, Mary's just pondering it. She's, she's cherishing it. She's treasuring it up in her heart. Because not only did she give birth, but she knew she, she, gave, she gave birth, and, and the one that she gave birth to, even though she didn't fully understand it, this is something that's unexplainable. This is something that years for come, she's going to be able to meditate and worship the Lord. And she is seeing all these things go on. And then we see this, that the shepherds leave. They had to go back to work that night. And I can guarantee that they never had a boring night of work after that. They, they were probably excited to go to work. Because in the most lowliest place and the quietest place and the place where you didn't think God would show up, they were able to hear from God himself and then go and see God himself. And so they didn't just leave and go back to work, but they left and they, they went back to, to work joyfully, praising God. Thinking of all these things like, man, exactly what God had said, exactly what we heard here, that, that, that exact same thing happened. God came through with his word like we were able to be a part of that. These men who you wouldn't think God would call to witness and to see King Jesus. And so the first point is, is reading through this that, that struck my heart, and I'm sure we have all been there maybe in different points of our life, is that whatever we lack, we have gained much, much more in Christ. Whatever we have lacked, that, that may look like different things for us. For these shepherds, they, they lacked public recognition. They, they, they were looked down on as lowly. They probably didn't have a whole lot of money. Obviously, they were probably stinky. They, they, they were cold. They were people that you wouldn't first pick for God to reveal himself to. But what they lacked, they gained much, much more in being able to see God himself. So whatever, whatever we lack, man, we have gained much, much more. We can have hope, and we can have peace, and we can have joy because the love of God that surpasses all things in understanding. We know that just as these lowly shepherds saw God face to face, that we too, through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to us in our hearts and redeeming us, we now walk in relationship with him. That whatever we lack, we have gained much, much more. There's really nothing to add to that passage because it's, I mean, it's said very well. Just the occurrence of what happened and just thinking, thinking back on what that must have been like to be in the shepherd's shoes. And I'm like, man, me in my life, when God found me in my lowly spots, in my sin, in my mess, and he, and he allowed me, and he, he's allowed us who he's redeemed to, to be a part of this family, to be a part of his mission, to be a part of this new purpose, in the same way that he called these lowly shepherds in. And as this is going on, as the shepherds are going to see King Jesus and worship King Jesus, that same night God, God puts a star in the sky, a sign in the sky, and somewhere far off to the east, there's a group of men that see this sign, and they're going to go and meet King Jesus for the first time. And these men are vastly different from the group of shepherds that we saw. Now, again, in songs and stuff, we, we hear them as, as the wise men. I'm sure they were pretty wise. I'm sure they were probably a lot smarter than I am. But more specifically, these, these group of men, they were astrologers or they were students of the stars. Now, they, they weren't students necessarily in training, but they had spent their entire life studying the stars and the signs of the stars. These were men who were, who were very intelligent. They, they knew what they were studying. They knew what they were looking for. These were men who also would have wealth. They would also be different than the shepherds in the sense that they, 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 they were able to take care of themselves in a lot of different ways. 
People respected them. These were people who, they, they probably didn't travel alone, but they traveled with others with them. They were respected, they were wealthy, they were powerful. And yet they were also influenced by the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish traditions. They would pay very close attention to it, so when they see this star in the sky that we see um, prophesied through uh, Micah and Second Samuel, we see that there was going to be a moment for a king to arise in Bethlehem, and they would, they would be counting on this, they would be searching this and seeking this diligently. And the night that they see the star arise in the sky, they're like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like, what all of human history has been waiting for, it is here in this moment, we have to go. We cannot hesitate. We have to go. These men who have it all, these men who are respected and they're wealthy, we have to go see this king that has been born. These men weren't going to leave like this to go see the, 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 the king of Rome or the king in, in Jerusalem or any other king. They, they were going to see the king of kings to see what real kingship looked like. And so they would head out and they would go towards Bethlehem, going through Jerusalem and, and this wouldn't take them just overnight. This most likely would take them months. They would travel through mountains and, and swamps and, you know, whatever, wilderness. They, they would go through some, some terrain to get there, whether it was months or a year. They would end up there. And when they end up, they run to King Herod and they start telling him, hey, there's been a king that is born. There's been a king of kings that has been born and we want to go see him. Now, Herod being a guy who is a sinful man, a jealous man, one whose sin has corrupted his heart to the point to where he doesn't want any other king over him. He, he wants to be the only king. And why are these men who are wealthy, who are respected, who are intelligent, why are they going to come and worship a baby instead of coming to worship me, coming to worship King Herod? And so he, he asks his advisors and say, let me know what these people are saying. Like, is there some, is the king really, has he really been born? So they confirm with him, yes, he's been born. So he sends them to Bethlehem and he says, when you find him, I want you to come back, return, and, and, and tell me where he is so I can go and worship him. Now we know that that is a lie that King Herod was really going to go and murder the baby. Just as he had put out um, a decree across that all babies, baby males, two and under, will be killed. A lot of these, as you see with that Pharaoh did in the Old Testament. He didn't want any other king to be worshipped, especially a lowly baby. He himself wanted to be worshipped. So we see as God enters this world and breaks all barriers to break into his creation that has been overrun by sin, sin itself evil, and, and Satan who is the, the liar, the, the most lying of liars, he's the prince of demons, the one that Jesus has come to dethrone so that way he could get us back to himself in relationship with the Father. He is running at full force. God himself has broken this world, and now evil is running full force to try to stop him. This is one of the many, many instances that we see him working through sinful men. That we see him working through King Herod, wanting to try to stop God and his plans. But thankfully, God is strong, and thankfully, God can't be stopped. And so we pick up here, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9, and we'll read through verse 12, and it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And then opening up their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream to not return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Man, this... This is humbling and this is, this is convicting. I, we see these lowly shepherds who have lacked a lot. And yet they, they, they go and they run to the one who could give them hope and peace and joy. The one who could give them love like any other. And, and they fall down and they worship King Jesus. And then on the other hand, we, we have these men who are wealthy, who are powerful. Men who, who are well-respected. And they do the exact same thing. They fall before this baby. They fall before the king of kings. And not only do they fall and they worship him, but a part of their worship is they start opening up their treasures to him. They start opening up everything because they knew that even though they had what may seem like everything, it was nothing compared to what they had gained in Jesus Christ, in the king of kings, and the lord of lords. They fell down and they worshiped him. And they didn't just give him you know, a, a handmade, you know, toy boat that they had made on the way there. They gave him gold. This, this would symbol the royalty that they saw in this baby. Giving him frankincense, something that in the Old Testament we would see that they would worship God in the temple by burning it as an offering to God, showing that of Jesus' deity. That he wasn't just a baby, but God himself was with us. And we see myrrh, something that was, that, that was spread over Jesus' dead body that would have been used for preparation for burial, showing Jesus' humanity. This is what they gave to Jesus, knowing that he was much more than just another king, but he was the king of kings. But what strikes me more than just the symbolism of those different gifts is that these were treasures that they lived their life with. These were treasures that they held close to them. And in this moment... They fell down on their knees and they opened up their treasures in their heart and they gave it to King Jesus because they knew that no matter what they had gained, it was nothing compared to what they had just, that what they had gained by seeing God himself in the flesh. They witnessed what true kingship was. And this isn't a, a sermon or anything to, you know, get anybody feeling weird because we, we may have this, we may not have this. This is the simple truth of the, the glory and the beauty of the gospel. That the gospel and Jesus, the truth and the light, has come into this world to bring all men and all nations, all men and women and all nations to worship him. That it doesn't matter if we lack everything and it doesn't matter if we have everything. That Jesus has come to capture our hearts because something that we all are related in, obviously, most thankfully, Jesus Christ, but the down part and the problem is that we're all united by sin as well. That it doesn't matter what we lack and it doesn't matter what we have, that we are all the same in the sense that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And God has come to bring all men and women to worship him. And the beauty and the shepherds worshiping him, knowing that there was nothing that they could gain that would be more than what Jesus had given them. And as we see these, these men, these students of astrologer come, that there was nothing that they could ever add upon what they had that could equal, that would equal what Jesus has given them, seeing God in the flesh. 
man. The story is so special because God himself, who's worth more than the gold that was given to him, that was worth more than the frankincense and the myrrh, the God who sits on, on his throne and is higher than any other, the one that we have been created to enjoy and to worship by the gladness of our heart because there's nothing that can give us the joy, peace, and hope and love that Christ can give us. He himself entered our world. Not only did he enter our world as God is, as spirit and truth, because God can't be in the same presence of sin or else we would all be destroyed, yet God lowers himself and becomes what we are as human, still sinless, without giving up who he is, as God himself. We see the Son of God sent from the Father God, this fully man, fully God, to walk this life with us, to bear our burdens, to love perfectly. How was Jesus from this baby able to mature into who we see Jesus in the Gospels? Because God was with us. He is God walking in the flesh. And the story doesn't just end on Christmas morning. It wasn't just, yeah, you know, baby Jesus was born and, and that's it. And that's what we're going to celebrate. No, it's, it's who Jesus grew and matured to be. He was always God. And how God orchestrated that work through that, I have no idea. I'm not that smart. But I do know that God, is he matured Jesus and as Jesus grew, that he was able to love others, that he loved others. Not only did he heal people and forgive sins, but he brought people into relationship with him because he walked with God perfectly, something that we have all failed to do. We have run from God. And so God came to us as a lowly servant, someone who didn't have guards sitting around his house or palaces. These, these men from the east showed up. He was a God who arrived in humility. But that humility would be nothing compared to what the humility we see Jesus going to the cross. As we see him walk to his death, as we see him walk to drink the cup of wrath of the Father that we all deserve, that I deserve. Man, I, 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 reading through this passage and preparing, I'm just like, God, like, you, you went to, to the cross, you went to death for, for my sins. Like, there's no way I deserve this. There's no way I deserve this, and yet you love us by choice because there's nothing else in this world that can satisfy us like our God can. Now, as we are adopted into his family, as we are restored in this restoration and this redemption that we all thirst for in this Christmas week, as we continue to prepare for our with our families and our homes, man, this is my hope, is that today we would know that God has redeemed us and saved us so that we may know him and that we may make him known. That we would bring God, or rather God would bring us, who lives in us, to others who do not yet know him. Because God has come for the nations. He has come to bring all men and women to him, to worship him. To worship him with whatever we have. Whether it may seem like a lot in this area or not a lot in this area, whatever we have, our lives, our, our time with people, what God has blessed us with to see the nations come to worship King Jesus. On this day and on this week, man, it, I, just, I pray that our families and our homes, that we would just take some time, kids are off school, maybe some are working up until Christmas Eve, but we would just take some moments and just think back on the story and have conversations with our kids 
man, what do you see that is awesome about the shepherds worshiping, choosing to worship Jesus? What do we see about these men who seem to have it all? They chose to worship Jesus. What does this mean for us in our lives? Well, first, we can simply just rest and know that God had come up with a plan to redeem us, something that we can never come up with on our own, that we can rest and trust God. And if God can break through this mess in this world and enter humanity, enter humanity through, through a virgin, enter humanity to do what only he can do, man, there's, there's nothing I can put my hands on and say, God, I can, I can do this and I can be in control more than you can be in control. This is the beauty of this Christmas story. And it doesn't end here. I'm going to pray for us, and as we uh, sing this last song, I have a couple announcements for before that, but and just, just take this time for our hearts as, as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ to, man, just enjoy Jesus. Just be silent in, in our hearts and, and, and listen to him. Worship him and be thankful that God has broken into our world and our mess to save us, and that's what we get to celebrate, that he would be utmost glorified. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that has been revealed to us, God. I, I'm thankful that I get to worship with this family that you have, you have given to me and to everybody else in this room, that we get, to, we get to worship and celebrate you. And God, that the celebration wouldn't stop today, but that God, that it would continue to go tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the rest of our lives. But God, specifically this week, is that as, as we prepare, prepare to spend time with our families and um, God, open gifts and be joyful together and, um, and love one another, God, that those things would not come from first a place of thankfulness and gratitude and enjoyment of your son, Jesus. That we would worship you with all that we have, whatever that looks like in our life, God, that you would draw us deeper joyfully to worship you in those ways. We love you, Jesus. We thank you and we celebrate you in your name. Amen.